When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. One of the best things about Randall's is all the friendly and helpful people. And now Randall's is looking for more great employees just like you. That's right. All Randall's stores are now hiring friendly new faces to join their team. Ages 16 and up can apply today. If you or someone you know is looking for a job with flexible schedules, great benefits, career advancement opportunities, and even scholarships, then have them stop by the nearest Randall's store for more details. Randall's, it's just better. Welcome to Real Jam Radio. I'm Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. This is the first round playoff preview, and it is with Arturo Galetti, one of one of my favorite guests. And I like doing the first round with him because he has a model that he uses, and he'll allude to it during our conversation. And I think that's a nice way of thinking about the first round. And then uh, we'll you know have different guests each round to preview that, and then of course have other podcasts around it on various topics. I want to do some on eliminated teams, and of course the draft and everything else. So. This conversation runs about an hour 15. For those of you who are interested in timestamps, those will should be available in the description, and depending on how you enjoy this podcast. So if you want to skip to something specific, you should be able to do that. Thanks so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to be on again, Danny. This is going to be a very interesting first round. From what I recall, we did the first round preview last year, and... Do you want to start by just kind of going through some of the major considerations you make when building your models? Yeah, I, I think there's there's a pattern to history in the NBA of teams that win and teams that don't win. Now, the, the regular season can be unpredictable, but the playoffs become a lot more predictable. Obviously, you're looking for the top-tier teams, but you're also looking for teams that have been there before because there's a certain thing that happens in the NBA, which is like teams that have been there before get more calls. They also have more experience. They know the situation. And their coaches know what the hell they're doing, right? So if you look at the history of the NBA, it's only, I believe it's only seven teams that are actually won the title. And like the same teams kind of repeat and repeat and repeat. Something like what the Warriors did last year, which was making it all the way to the finals and winning was kind of unprecedented because they'd never actually made a final before. And that's kind of uh, strange. And actually, I think one of the things that actually played to their, how hard it was for them to beat the Cavs was the fact that like really like, Teams like that don't get calls in the finals. Like right? the, the 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 refs really don't give them any respect. And you can kind of, you know, it's a, if you put your mind to it and you remember the Thunder making the finals 2011, uh, and then Harden not being able to do anything in that series. Well, Harden's game was entirely predicated on like him getting calls, and he wasn't getting a single call in that series. And it's just kind of like the growth period. But like, so 
one thing to keep in mind before going to this, like the Warriors had a had a harder road last year than they're going to have this year because last year they were the challenger. This year they're the champ. And there's a saying in boxing that you you have to beat the champ. Champ wins all ties. And the same thing kind of applies for the NBA. And it's definitely interesting. I mean, I think that a, a factor going the other way, of course, will have to depend on what goes on the rest of the year is is health. But in terms of the structural advantages, the Warriors do have some major help. And do you want to just get into this kind of going through it, explaining it with the first series, which will the first one we'll talk about is the one eight, which was the Western Conference Finals last year, Warriors Rockets. Warriors Rockets, yeah, the Rockets kind of backdoored into a playoff spot at the last possible moment, and, and good for the Rockets. I, I don't think that it bodes well for the chances. I, I think like they, they're, they, this team is outmatched. They don't have the home court advantage. I mean, like, who would you say is a better coach for both these teams? Well, I mean, I think Kerr is is clearly better than Bickerstaff right now, though. I think the Rockets, you... one of the structural things that should be better for them is I don't think it's possible for them to care less on defense than they did during the season. Yeah, if you're Danny the GM, if you have a choice, do you take Vickerstaff or you take Walton to be your coach? Walton, he he did okay. really well. Yeah, so it's like the bench coach is better than like the the head coach for that team. So I mean, like they get the advantage of coach. That's one of the factors we look at. Obviously, like who's more experienced in the playoffs? Is it the Rockets or is it the Warriors? It's closer than some people think, especially with Dwight's history. But the Warriors got more experience in the playoffs last year. Also, Ariza has a title, but the, yeah, the Warriors have the Warriors have more experience, top to bottom. After you get like, I mean, like it's just that that team's such a train wreck that I'm like, I, I don't, you know, I don't trust them to actually get that. And like the the Warriors just have this killer instinct. It's just kind of, I think this series. And again, I think the Warriors are a team that remembers. They remember having like the the, the Rockets winning some games they probably shouldn't have last year. So I think this is actually going to get ugly. I don't think this is even. In, this, I don't think this goes five. I think this goes four, and it's gonna be somewhat ugly. Do you disagree with me on this? I think it's going to go five just because the Warriors will have one of those complacency games, which is actually sort of beyond Curry getting hurt in that game. Is kind of what happened in, in Game Four of the Western Conference Finals. But this, but this team, this team is wired like the Bulls, which is like they they don't like when they when they get into those complacency games, they just they just pull that fifth gear out and just kind of. Just destroy, like all of a sudden, like Kerr will start making shots from half court, and 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 like the other team will like will like curl up and die. I don't. I mean, I don't see it. Particularly since like you know they they just they, they were playing half speed. They were playing the fourth quarter. I think that this really. I mean, like if this was another team, I, I could say that. So if they're playing like Utah, maybe, but like Houston, they don't like Houston. They really don't like Houston. I, like and and this team kind of. I mean, you've been around that team. This team t- takes grudges seriously. They do. That's my inter- I mean, I, I feel like they're going to try to put 40 on one in one game. I, that's, I really do. I mean, it, they don't like this team. Yeah, one thing I will mention, though, uh, f- from the odds that we're going to work with with Sports Interaction, I actually think that the Rockets at plus 7,100, meaning if you bet 100, you get $7,100, is actually not the worst thing in the world just in terms of disaster potential. It wouldn't be, you know, I'm not saying necessarily I throw 100 on it, but that's a pretty crazy return for not that much. For, you know, if you lose that 50 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever for what you yeah, would get. I mean- there are more interesting uh, series prices out there. I don't. I, I mean, like, I don't think that. I mean, if you want to throw your money away, I wouldn't put money on like the, the words are like seven thousand one hundred. So like, it's a hundred dollars to bet seventy one hundred. Did I tell you I saw Curry? Curry was basically better than even against the field to win Finals MVP. 
in uh, one of the sites in England, which is kind of crazy. That means like that means you you bet. I think you bet you bet a hundred, you get ninety if he wins Finals MVP, which is just insane against the field. Yeah, that that is incredible, especially considering oh, actually, they recently won they won the title last year and he didn't win the MVP. Cool, cool Warriors topical question before we move on. So we were talking about this last night. Kobe set the record for field goal attempts in a game last night, fifty field goal attempts. If you knew that Steph Curry was shooting fifty field goals tomorrow, where would you set the line of him in terms of points scored? 75 or 80? I had 85 in my... I mean, I, I, I kind of think it would be something like 85. You'll be amused right? by this. We actually talked about that at Oracle last night. So a, a few of us did, about the idea. No. It was amazing. We, we were going... No, we were going... Like, so it's like... Because we were going like... That's like... If you knew he was shooting 50 field goal attempts, what you set the line at? And I think you'd have to know that he's shooting it because like it's almost like if he's shooting 50... He's only... Started, I think he's, his, his career high is 32 field goal attempts in a game because like when he shoots 32 field goals, the other team is so far down... That basically he'll he'll end up not playing the fourth quarter, right? He he really the anal- the best analogy I've come up with him right now he really is Babe Ruth. Yeah. And, and and the analogy is like you know how Babe Ruth would have been a Hall of Fame pitcher, right? Of course, yeah. And then he same thing. I think Curry would have been a Hall of Fame player as a, a conventional point guard, but he they basically took him and made him do something nobody else has ever done. And that three point number is pretty much like Babe Ruth's home run number. Which is like, it's just completely insane and it just completely breaks the game. I think the analogy actually works both ways as well because he would be, I think he would be a, a fringe Hall of Famer if he was more of an off the ball shooter too. I think he would be the best off the ball shooter of all time as well. Oh, he could totally be Ray Allen. He'd probably be like a fantastic version of Ray Allen. No, no, I mean like, yeah, and, and I was thinking about this and he also like everybody, he doesn't look like what people think the prototypical ball player does. It's the same thing. So it's a Babe Ruth is a good analogy. And this analogy, Michael Jordan is Ty Cobb. But yeah, I mean, I think we can, we can, we can talk about the Warriors a little more, but I mean, I think like, if you expect the Warriors to lose in the first round, good luck. Yeah, I, I don't expect it to. I just think that 7,100 is a whole lot. You know, you, there, there's always the potential of Patrick Beverly, you know, running into his knee or something like that. I mean, yeah, you're basically betting on him getting hurt. And I, I mean, I don't think, even if, even if Steph, if Steph Curry got hurt, I think the Warriors are good enough to win, to beat the Rockets, right? So I, I wouldn't worry about them in this round. In that scenario, but we'll move on to a team that, even though they have, even though they have better odds, higher, you know, like you would get a greater return that I would never put a single dime on, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies because they are hurt and they are running into the buzzsaw that is the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, the Grizzlies are really well coached. I actually, obviously, the San Antonio has better playoff experience because, like, I mean, like the guys who are on the Grizzlies are not the Grizzlies. It's like it's like the the D League Grizzlies. Like Dave Yorger has really done like a fantastic job, just a fabulous job with like. With like just the dregs of humanity, but really that's that that kind of stops now. I mean, like he's not going to get like the Spurs B team. He's going to get their A team. Well, actually, I think this is going to be the Bowbound series. But like even the Spurs B team, like playing like they care, is probably too much for this Memphis team. I mean, they'll compete. I just don't think that like I, I have enough respect that I'm basically I'm treating this as coach even. Like I'm not giving Popovich an advantage over Yorger. I mean, am, am, I, am I being fair here? I, I think that's a little bit unfair to pop, but not, you know, not, not so egregious that I'm going to be up in arms about it. But yeah, I would take San Antonio's second unit over Memphis's first unit right now. But do you think like, I mean, like, this is like the football game where like the football coach decides I'm not pulling out any tricks. So I don't think pop is going to pull out any tricks in the series. Yeah, that's true. And Memphis is playing hard. You know, they played hard last night and they, you know, they actually played two very strong games against the Warriors. It'll, more more it'll the first be, one recently. It'll be. It'll be pick and post and iso plays for Kawhi and like it, it's not going to be. I don't think there's going to be anything weird. 
going on. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like the second half of any game of the Spurs versus the Warriors this season. So is this I mean, is this a series just kind of not really to bet and just assume that it's gonna go to form? I mean, I, my model thinks it's four. I think that the Spurs maybe sleepwalk to one of these games and it's five. I mean, I'd like it more if like Memphis was completely decimated, right? But like, I mean, they're scrappy. The, the problem is like the problem with the Spurs teams this year. This is why they were so histor- like. I mean, like, the Warriors historically good, but so were the Spurs. The, the problem with the Spurs is, like, so they're playing, they really haven't played at fifth gear, but they're fourth gear, and the guys they have, we've talked about this before, the guys they have on the second team, I mean, like, when you're rolling out Boban and, like, Kyle Anderson and all these guys, that's not a bad team. So, like, the Spurs not trying hard is, is, is still kind of way too much for, like, a, like a, a non-good team to handle. Yeah, right? I, I think that's definitely fair. It's it's you know you know it's like you you've seen Boban where like when somebody tries to take the ball away from you just put the ball he puts the ball in the air and like the player just looks like a little kid trying to get the ball that's that's kind of how I, I see this series going. Yeah, and Memphis doesn't have a ton of legit healthy size, so he could even do that you know with depending on who they actually put on the floor. But unless you have something else on that, we're gonna get into more interesting territory with Thunder Mavs, and I think your general conceit is that the Mavs have been disrespected in terms of their potential in this series. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I mean, here's the thing: I don't, I think that the Thunder clearly, clearly win this series, but the Mavs are going off at plus six hundred. That means they're going off at six to one. Now, now here's the thing: I, I would say this is, in terms of playoff experience and swagger, this is neutral. The, the Mavs have a lot of playoff experience. In terms of coaching, last I looked, Billy Donovan has not won a playoff series in the NBA. And Rick Carlisle is a really, really, really good coach who can figure out a way to take advantage of it. Now, they're banged up, but, like, I mean, I have the odds of, like, the overall odds of... I actually have the odds of the Mavs winning this series at around 8%, right? So, I mean, I think of of that 6-1 to is, is, to me, an interesting number. That's one where you might kind of look at throwing some shekels on it, right? I mean, I, I think, again, I think the Thunder are obviously the better team. I just think that there are scenarios in which what if, like, somebody rolls an ankle, right? And, like, this team, the Thunder have had scenarios where somebody's rolled an ankle gotten injured before. And, and again, the, the Mavs are a good veteran team. Like, they've been banged up. But, like, I, I mean, I think putting them at plus 600 is a bit disrespectful. I think, like, plus 300 would have probably been the right number. Like, 3-1 to one, would have probably been the right number. I mean, they, what do you think, Danny? I think that there's a difference in this, and I think this series is probably the best example of it, of a series that I think could go longer than people expect, mm-hmm. but that I still think the Thunder are going to win. So, like, if you yeah. could somehow make a bet of, like, hey, this series is going to go, let's say, six or longer, then that would be an interesting thing for me, because I think that's possible. I Again, I don't I don't think it's necessarily and, likely. And you- and you totally like for people for like people with degenerates out there, you totally can make that bet. And yeah, so yeah, I think this the, is the advantage of having somebody on who knows how to do that sort of thing. Yes, you can you can go and get like serious length. And I think I think Thunder and six and Thunder and seven are, are probably interesting. Actually, five, six, and seven are probably interesting. I'd have to see exactly what the price. I, is. I don't feel like they're going to sweep. They they certainly could. I'm not disrespecting their talent, but I this the team doesn't feel I, like one of those teams that's just going to do that. I think this Mavs team is better than the team that took the Spurs to seven games last year. Uh, I think they're a little bit worse, but not much. They, can, I mean, I don't. They had, they had Tyson Chandler last year, and he was playing pretty well. I don't think this. I don't think the Thunder team is as good as the Spurs teams last year. That's that's also fair. The Spurs team last year was was dangerous until somehow they until somehow they lost. You know, every we could talk about yeah, that series at some point. Yeah, Pop Pop got into uh, Kawhi Leonard's head in the, the. I don't know why he did. I mean, Chris Paul had an out of body experience, and like Pop got into Kawhi's head in that series too. Yeah. You bench him at one point, but it's, it happens when you're playing against a guy who's probably one of the top three point guards in the in the history of the NBA. 
I, I think he certainly is. And that if you, unless you have more to say on, on that series, I think that's as good a lead-in as we'll ever have to the marquee first-round series in the Western Conference, which is Clippers-Blazers. I think this, this series is, is more... How should I put this? This series is more fun on paper than it might be in real life. Like, well, here's I agree with that. I mean, I, I actually like... So I have the swagger for both these teams is even, which may be kind of unfair to the Clippers, but they're the Clippers. They have a tendency to like to just like go completely mental in the playoffs. Between that and like the same thing with coach, I think I think like Portland is a very well coached franchise, and they've kind of like the coach has been there before, and some of the key guys have been there before. I basically have this going five. I think the Clippers are actually, I mean, like I was particularly with Blake back. They're clearly better than Portland. That said, Portland is a really tough place to play, and I mean, let me see like the. the this series is going off at Portland's getting plus two hundred, so basically, like they're they're going off only at two to one. So basically, it, they view it as competitive, but but they're kind of viewing it as like maybe this thing goes five or six, right? I think the Clippers have to be real careful; they're not seeing a seventh game in this series because I think if if they don't close it out in five, I don't think they close it out in Portland. And I think then they have to come back to Game Seven. It's the Clippers that'll be like we've seen this before. The Clippers get into these into a tight four-five series. That seventh game is going to be a nightmare for them because they they just like their fans just kind of the building kind of closes up and like they just they just I've seen these guys collapse before. They should win, right? But I really want to see them do it. Yeah, this series is weird for me because I, I've been a fan of this Portland team for a long time. You and I both loved their over back when we did over-unders at the beginning of the season. And part of it is that they have a competitive advantage on almost every team because they have two guards they can create for themselves and others. And the Clippers are a team that, as good as Portland's strengths are, they have similar strengths and I would say superior ones. Chris Paul yeah. at this point is better than Damian Lillard is. J.J. Redick is better than C.J. McCollum is. And DeAndre Jordan, I think, could be one of the biggest difference makers in this whole series. If if the if Blake Griffin had been healthy for the last three months, there's is there's nobody on Portland that could come with Blake Griffin. Right. right. It's just there isn't Blake Griffin is a problem. So, but he hasn't. So I don't know. And and we've we've kind of talked about before how like Chris Paul and Blake Griffin isn't exactly an ideal fit. So I'm I'm kind of wary that that and and and, and not thought, but some of the mental giants on that bench are going to get confused, and I'm not. Again, I could totally see like McCollum or Lillard just like winning one game. Dropping yeah, I could see this going five, six, seven easily without it. Without yeah, but it. I, here's the thing: I think the key number is like either the Clippers win it in five or the, or, the, or, or this goes seven, right? I, I think that's kind of where where this kind of sits. Yeah, I think know? that's fair. That's, yeah, that's, God, that's God, good. that if the Clippers won that sixth game, in some ways, that might be the trademark win to this point of the. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan era. Yeah, but here's the thing with that Portland team. Like, that, it, 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 it's a building. Like, again, I kind of think, like, if Portland gets it back to Portland for a game six, you know they're going to be, like, that building's going to be insane. That's a really tough place to play. And, like, you know, we know that Lillard kind of feeds off that crowd. He's better at home. Same thing with McCollum. So, like, I mean, you know, in, in game six, that I would be like, I mean, I wouldn't be more impressed with them beating San Antonio last year, but like it would, it would take some doing, right? I, I mean, well, yeah, and you're also to me part of that is that presumably they'd be beating a full strength Blazers team, and you know the San Antonio wasn't all the way there last year. In yeah, my yeah. And anything else in the series? No, I mean, like again, I I think Portland's gonna be real. I've said this before. I think I think Portland is a team that's gonna be has a really nice future. I mean, they're they. They've got like some really nice pieces. They've it's it's a cheap team. 
It's a very nice place to play. People like the Northwest. So, I mean, like, I think this is a team that, like, is going places. I just, this year, I think, is just way too soon. Right? I mean, I, I think if it was another team that hadn't been there before with some of the key players, then it'd be happy to be there the lot in five. But, like, the matchup is just kind of wonky. Yeah, it it is wonky, and I think your point about Portland being a long-term team is is really well taken, and the analog that I would make is to a team that you're very well connected with that we'll talk about later is Boston. The idea of having a good core right now and the ability to add on top of it has the benefit of the Brooklyn picks, but I think Portland can do a nice job. You know, they have this group, and they can just add a couple guys on top of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So is there anything, what's the thing you're looking the most forward to in these Western playoffs? In the first round, I think it's going to be how Oklahoma City plays because I think they're the biggest wild card in terms of the long-term arc of the conference. You know, like the conference in the playoffs itself. You know, the you know, Spurs and the Warriors, it, we know what they are. What's really interesting is if, if you really look at Oklahoma, right, their measuring stick and their nemesis has really been Dallas, right? It's been Dirk and it's been Dallas. And the, the team, it was a team that was in their way for them. It was a team that they had to beat to get to the finals. And I mean, I kind of think this is—it's—it's it's very kind of fitting and poetic that it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's Dirk at the end that they're getting now. And I mean, again, there's a real shot that this is the last Kevin Durant OKC team that we're going to see. And I know you've talked about him like kind of taking the one—the the, the, one-year deal. But I mean, I think I think there's a lot of of stuff in play. I really do think there's a real chance he's not back next year, right? And 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 so it's it's a really interesting kind of. You know, this is a, 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 a turning point for that franchise because, you know, things could go really poorly out of this series. Yeah, I think and- there's, a, there's a lot to unpack with this Thunder team, and they also can't look past the Mavericks. I think in that way they were a little bit fortunate mm-hmm. to get a team that they know well, and but they still should beat in the, in the idea because they're going to have to play the best series that they have as a collective to beat San Antonio in round two if that's what happens. Right, they're getting a team that's not a pushover. So, I mean, like, I think that they're going to get challenged in this first round. And I think, actually, I mean, I'm not 100% sure they're... I mean, I think they they win on cheer, like, physical talent, but, like, it's going to be an interesting series. I mean, I agree. I think the Thunder Mavs is, could turn out to be the most... I mean, like, again, it, it depends on, on, on really how healthy the Mavs are, if they can answer the bell. But I, I do think this that has a potential of being the most interesting Western series. I mean, other than, like, Portland kind of getting the the Clippers to start having flashbacks, right? But yeah, I mean, I, I think those are the two kind of interesting things. The other two are just, we're just kind of, like, I mean, we're just kind of marking time. We're right? rooting we're rooting for no injuries in the other two, really, is, what, is what's going right. on. Right, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's a, I mean, I think there's a shot that Steph Curry doesn't play a, a fourth quarter in that, in that first round series. Yeah, well, I mean, well not, see, I, th- I think I think Houston will will sneak a game at some point, but if it goes four, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not convinced of that because I, I do think that the Warriors are, are 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 going to try to make this as as, as bad as possible. Again. While the Western Conference is a little bit clear cut in the first round, of course, after that it's going to be very different. I feel a little bit murky about every single Eastern Conference first round series, and we'll start at the top with the number one over with the number one seed, not overall, but in that conference, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are facing the Detroit Pistons, who played them very well this year. Yeah, the, the Pistons played them very well. The they have size, and Drummond kind of is a problem. And here's the thing: um, this is a very interesting series because Detroit's going off at eight to one. They have some players. They have I, the coaching advantage. I, they have the coaching advantage. Stan Van Gundy is a better coach. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say Stan Van Gundy is a better coach than Tyron Lue, right? That is Tyron not Lee a stretch in the least. 
that is not a stretch. Like, Ben Gundy understand what he understands what he needs to do. Uh, I mean, definitely, like, you know, Cleveland has a swagger. I mean, they've been there before they've been to the finals, and, and that plays into it. But, I mean, if there's a team here that could self-destruct in a stunning way, the Cavs are it. Because, really, we, we know enough to kind of know that that team is a bit dysfunctional. Right now, again, LeBron is still LeBron, right? And, and I think that's probably going to be enough. But, but I mean, again, I think 8-1 to one for the Pistons, that's too high. That, that, that's really too high. Because this is a team that that's done decently against this team. I mean, again, I think what's going to end up happening is I think this series has a... Sh- I mean, I think it should go five, right? But, I mean, the Cavs might mess around or get into the game because they don't have enough size to throw at Drummond. And if Drummond can stay out of foul trouble, I think they can, this can actually get stretched. I do think five is probably the right number. But I think, like, it's going to be a five-game series where, like, where, like the Mavs have to... Like, the Cavs have to work for it. Yeah, I think it's going to be five or six, and I'm a little bit skeptical. We'll have to see if Teron Liu can use some of the kind of counter advantages that he has. So, like, for example, they should be playing Channing Frye and Kevin Love at center a lot when Andre Drummond's on the floor, just to pull him out from the rim to open up space for the drivers. But Liu has preferred to play Tristan Thompson during some of those big startery minutes, and I think that won't work as well against Dallas. I mean, Detroit. You know... You know what the key... I mean, like, here's the key. One of the keys for, for the Cavs, and I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I'll say it. What the hell? Kevin Love is better when you play him with an actual point guard. So if he's much... He's, he, if you look at the splits, he's much better when he's playing with with Maddie. And Maddie's actually a good defensive point guard. So there's some value to... If I were running this team, I might... I would probably consider running Adele, Kevin K. Love's second shift. Hell, I might not even start Kevin Love. I might play him, like, off. I'll still give him 35 minutes, but I try to get him more playing with Deladova than I would with Kyrie. So there are a series of guys in the league, I've ta- been talking about this more openly recently, that I think, what I, the term I use is quick hook. So basically what they do is they should start, DeMarcus Cousins is another one of these guys. You start them, you pull them early, like four or five minutes into the game, and so basically even though they nominally start, and I would say in most circumstances close, just depending on context, their primary responsibility is anchoring the second unit, particularly offensively. Well, we talked about this in our last podcast, what they do, what they do without the smart teams do... Al Jefferson, right? We talked about this. Like, yeah. it's the guy. Cantor is a guy who's, who, who can be like that, too. Right? The problem with Cantor is Cantor, you kind of really have to have him on the Like, you need Ivaca out there with him carrying him on defense. And, like, Donovan has figured that out. But I do, I mean, I think there's a real advantage to, like, have, you need Kevin Love with an, again, with an actual point guard and an actual offense. You put him in the second team, and really the teams don't, can't really figure it out. And it creates a little more space. And a little more ball for Kyrie and LeBron. I mean, I, I do think that like that's a smarter play. And David Blatt did this, but like Tyron Boot doesn't. And there's a whole bunch of this function I'm not getting into. But I mean, that's the point. I mean, I think that I'm not convinced that I know that Cleveland will not make optimal use of the tools at their disposal. And I think like they're getting a guy who's. I mean, do we? I think Stan Van Gundy's all Hall of Fame coach. That's me. What do you think? I think it's a little bit early, but I think that he is good enough to be in to you know to be in that conversation on a day to day basis. I think that he's he's an excellent coach. Yeah, he's he- very good at using talent, and one of the things that stands out to me in terms of those who want to bet it is I think uh, there's no chance I would throw money on Cleveland overall in the series just because that's really really high. I just don't think the return is there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the overall series price is interesting for a punt. And again, what you're kind of what you're kind of thinking is like is, is is something goes wrong. I mean, I do think Cleveland wins the series. I mean, this is this so is do I. I don't think this is I, this I don't think this is where they get into trouble. I mean, we'll, we'll get into like 
we'll get into like where I think the upsets could be and where the prices are, are, are probably off. But like I, I mean, I think this is going to be a more interesting theories than than people think, and, and specifically for the reasons we listed. I mean, like I, I think that Cleveland's going to have to earn their way to the finals, and I've said this a couple times. Like I like the field in the East to make the finals. I mean, I think like last year Cleveland really got lucky that a couple teams had injury, like. It took an injury to John Wall and the NYPD breaking Tabo Cephalosha's leg to help them get to the finals. I don't think this Cleveland team is better than last year's team. Is this a controversial opinion? Well, I think it depends on what, what Cleveland team you're talking about. I mean, because Kyrie, Kyrie was pretty limited in the playoffs, and as much as he, let's say, is disappointing in that sense, he, he's still he a very good, good basketball though. He hasn't been good this year. He's and been LeBron, different. Le, and LeBron's been inconsistent, let's say. He's been he's been good at the end of the year though. He's playing very well right now. And I think the concern for Detroit in this series is that they don't really have anybody to slow him down. I think Contavious Caldwell Pope will do a nice job on Kyrie, but they don't have anybody for LeBron. This is not the series where he runs into like how should I put this? The uh like wrecking ball. But like that's the thing, like there are series on the slate in the East where teams have players that can throw at at him and kind of like just kind of make him like have trouble. And I think that's something that wasn't there. Like he, it used to be he had to get to the finals before he, he ran into that. But I think this year that's not the case. I mean, I, he's gonna he's gonna have some trouble in the East this year. Yeah, I agree with that. Anything else in this series? No, I mean, again, I have five. The gentleman sweep is probably the right thing, but I would not be stunned if this if this goes longer. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Toronto, Indiana, I feel like I'm one of the only people saying that, that Indiana has, I'm not gonna say they're the favorites, not, not by any long shot, but I think that, I think that they have a better chance in this series than some people give them credit for. They haven't been playing well recently, but I think their ceiling is very dangerous for what Toronto does so well. Indiana's going off at, at, at plus 222, and I know a lot of sharps that just really love that number. They really love that number. They like Indiana. And they're like their series price. I mean, this is, again, Toronto, Toronto's a bit weird because Toronto really, they haven't done it before. They have this tendency to not win these playoff series. This is a tougher matchup than that. I, I, I have Toronto's odds of winning this series right now at 55%. Wow. Because here's the thing. I, I think Indiana is, it's fair to say that Indiana has the edge in playoff experience. No? Yeah, I would think so. They have the edge in coaching. No? Yes, definitely. So if we, if we consider those two things, then right now, I mean, I've got I've got Toronto winning in seven, right? Indiana has like a really good deep. They got George Hill, they got Monte Ellis, they got uh, Turner, they got they've got a, a bunch of effective size. They got Paul George, who's covering Paul George in this? It's like is Demari healthy right now? No, he's he's getting back, but he's not all the way there yet. Yeah, that so, so they really don't have anybody kind of to throw at. So I'm going to throw James Johnson. They they're not playing James Johnson. I don't know who they're going to throw at Paul George. I think this is a this is like the worst possible draw that I think that Toronto could have gotten in the first round. Yeah, I agree um, with you. I, I think this is going to be one of the more fun series. The fan bases are great for both these teams, and it's going to be nice and passionate. <laughs> we might get some of these games on NBA TV, but I think they're going to be great. I, I think this is one of the series I'm looking forward to. Here's the thing: I think if Toronto wants to make the finals, this is a year. This is a year for them to do it. Because DeMar DeRozan had a career year, and you're not necessarily going to get that. Like, this is this is the time. I think this is when you do it. It's a very narrow window, and they're going to have to earn it. I think Indiana is a really tough matchup, and it would not surprise me. Like, right now, like, the, as I said, Indiana's better, worse than 2-1, to one, like, in terms of the betting odds. And I think they're more like a 40-45% to win the series, to me. Right, I, and, and because I mean I, Toronto hasn't won any playoff series. 
And I think Indiana is like has been, has been playing well. They're they're a good team. I I've watched them. They're a professional basketball team. Uh, they play hard every game. They play defense. They're one of the smartest defensive teams in the league, and they have like skilled players at all positions, right? So I mean, like this is gonna be a really good series. Yeah, one of the dynamics here that I think will be very important is that Toronto likes to drive and. Indiana is one of the few teams that plays two bigs and is successful with it. So in when they play Turner and Jan Mahinmi, an underrated guy, together, I think that could pose some real problems for Toronto offensively. Yeah, Jordan Hill is good, too. I mean, like, no, I mean, I, I think, again, Indiana is a well-coached team, and they're a team that likes, they're basically a team that plays a playoff style, too, because they, they're going to basically play really tough defense, and really tough defensive teams do better in the playoffs because there's less calls. Right, so they're going to, to Boston. We'll talk a little. Boston does that a little bit too, which they'll rough it up, and roughing it up actually works in the uh, the plus. Now Toronto does a little bit of that too, so I think this is going to be a little bit of a throwback series in that both teams are going to kind of slow it down and, and and go at it. But I mean, Indiana's done this before in the playoffs and gone all the way to conference finals. So I mean, I think this goes seven, and, and I think the Indiana series number is is really intriguing. Like really, like if you can get two to one on that, that's you might be able to get that better, and I think that's really intriguing. Yeah. D, what would you put the odds of, of Toronto winning this, like, of Indiana winning the series at? 35-40 probably, but I wouldn't, I, I'm completely game with the people who have it a little higher than that. I mean, I, I've said before that it was an underrated possibility. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, if I, if I knew that George Hill was 100%, right? And that's, I think that's kind of the issue in this series. And I mean, I don't know that, like, DeMar DeRozan is going to be able to, to, like, hold this production, too. That's, that's a couple other things. The other thing is, I've been on record saying I really don't like the coaching for Toronto. And I, as I said, this is a veteran team who's been there before, who's really well coached, is a terrible match for Toronto. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. So the 3-6, you know, was this all, all this wildness on the last day of the season. It ended up with Miami and the Hornets. How do you feel about that series? Ooh, this is going to be a fun, fun, fun series. I actually think this is because we I think we both like both these teams, right? Right. I mean, I think the Heat got got way better. Uh I think the one of the tricks with the Heat is like how much are they going to play Whiteside? But here's the thing, like Charlotte, again, Charlotte is another team that's well coached. They have talent, they figure it out, and they've been amazing in the second half of the season. I mean, they, they, I've actually right now I've got Charlotte kind of ranked slightly ahead of in terms of like neutral site, I've got Charlotte ranked slightly ahead of the, the Heat. Now the Heat have home court. So and I think that's gonna end up being the the, the, the dominant factor. I mean, I, I've got them. Well, two things. Miami's everybody on Miami's been here before, right? So like, this is a playoff veteran team. Whiteside and Dragic don't have a ton of experience. It's more just everybody else on, and of course, Justice Winslow has none. It's really everybody else has so much experience that the idea is that it outweighs those guys. Yeah, I mean that, and like, I mean, I think. I struggled with coach, and I ended up giving the nod to Ulster because again, you you make three finals, you get the nod. Well, and, uh, yeah, and Clifford's a great coach, but he hasn't really shown much in the playoffs yet, so we'll have to. Right. See. So, so, so I have to give that, but I, I think this is a rough, rough series. I think this 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 is one that definitely goes seven. I mean, I think that like in my head that this thing goes seven. I think Miami wins, but they're going to get the it, calls too. Yeah, no, Miami's gonna get the calls, and, 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 and I think they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna win. A, I think they're gonna win a couple games on call. This is this is this is gonna be a dogfight, because again, I think that you know we both love Charlotte, but I, I I can't see them beating Miami without home court in a first round series. I also can't see them going away either. I think this is gonna be a really interesting. Series. 
These are two teams that kind of a, they've played each other a lot. They're division rivals too. And 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 again, the odds are going that Charlotte is plus one twenty five, which means like they're this is almost close to even money. This is basically they're saying Vegas is basically saying that these teams are even, but Miami has a home court. Same thing we're saying, right? Yeah, yeah I and, think I think that. What I could also see in this series, which I think people would find fun, is I definitely think there's a chance that each team wins a game on the opposing team's home floor. So, you know, it goes late. It goes late and you have those kind of dramatic swings in a series. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is going to be, do we think this is going to be the most fun series in the first round? Uh, fun's kind of a hard thing to determine, but I think it will be the, I think it will be the closest, like, you know, whether in terms of length of games and also, you know, there might be a blowout or two or maybe even three, but I think that fun, you know, these teams don't really have the firepower. I think the most fun series might actually be Clippers Blazers, just depending on how it works out. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, because it's going to be a West coast style. This is going to be, this is like Miami likes to. Same thing. Miami likes to rough it up a little bit, and I think that, like, I mean, my uh, Charlotte wants to run a little more, but it, it, it's going to be good basketball, and I think it's going to be enjoyable. And I think that it wouldn't, it would not surprise me if Charlotte won this series. I don't think they're going to, though, because Some... I, I do think one thing, that, one thing that plays, and I mentioned this before, is like, um, basically, I think I believe the NBA is done with drug testing for the year, so older players who who need assistance in terms of cortisone shots are now free to get them, and like. You're going to see that all of a sudden Dwayne Wade can actually jump again. And uh, this is going to play a factor in this series. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be really fun just f- for a couple reasons. And one of the aspects that I think is going to be really prominent at some point in the series is that so many key players in this, you know, on both teams are going to be free agents this year. And it's not for a lot of them, Batum and Whiteside. It's not really about making or losing money because those guys are going to get paid a ton. But people getting a sense of just how good these guys are because yeah the regular season shows shows a lot of things but they're going to be facing quality competition for the most part they're going to be facing guys that have very different strengths than their own and how the, well they do is going to be awesome is Batum covering Joe Johnson in the post in the series maybe i think they're going to bounce him around a lot i think Batum might spend some time on Wade uh makes i mean i, I think i think I, I was starting to think it's like i know there i think that Joe Johnson post up is going to figure prominently in this series and I'm trying to think what they're going to, they can't throw Lynn at him. They can't throw Kemba. So it's going to have to be probably Batoon or Scott. Who else would they throw at him? Yeah. I mean, no. it would, it would have been MKG, but it would have been, it would have been, I was, I was actually thinking that like if MKG was like here, it would be really, they, they were for that, that weird, the, the period where they had them, they were like really scary. I mean, again, I think the Hornets are actually a good team. I don't know that we're going to get these Hornets in this shape next year, which is sad because I think this is a really interesting team. But I think it's gonna be fun. I think this is the series that probably like the guy, the the biggest threat Toronto might be coming from this series. And, Sorry for uh, Cleveland. Yeah, for Cleveland, and I, I I think I think both cases it's true. You yeah. know, other than you know obviously other than Cleveland for Toronto, but I think that uh, it's also a little bit unfortunate because I would have enjoyed seeing this as the four five and having the winner face Cleveland in the next round and just having that intrigue because I I wanted basically I wanted Miami to be in the four five because I thought. Yeah, I actually- Weirdly, I have the Toronto series as closer than this one, but this is still kind of, it's within the margin. It's like, I've got Miami's 59% to win this series. Yeah, I, I, I could tell, I could definitely see that. Uh, anything else before we move on to the last one? No, I mean, like, uh, I, I think we said it. I mean, like, I, I, Miami, I can't quite get a handle. I think they're, Miami's in, really interesting if you were looking for a field bet out of the East. Yeah, I think that's true. Atlanta, Boston, 
two, another series of two teams we like, though I would say in some ways relative to other people, we might like them less than Atlanta, Atlanta and Charlotte. I mean, sorry, than Miami and Charlotte, which the two teams we just talked about. But this series is just going to be a war. Yeah, I mean, like I actually think this is not as close as people think. Here's one thing I know: Boston can't cover anybody with size, right? So. I mean, like, it's problematic because of Horford and Millsap. I mean, I think this is not a great matchup for Boston in this series. I mean, I, I, if, if I were Boston, I'd rather be playing somebody like Charlotte or maybe even Miami. I'm not, or like, actually the Raptors probably wouldn't be bad because like they, you know, it's Jonas, but uh, Hawks are not a great matchup here. Now I think like also the Hawks have the playoff experience. Uh, I think they're, they're also a well coached team. I give Stevens a little bit of the coaching advantage, but like I kind of think that it's going to be a shorter theater than people think. Like the, the Celtics have also not been playing well recently. Yeah, that, that's have, an... I, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, I, I have this going five, and, and and you know, I'm sad I'm a Celtics fan, but I have this going five, and and I, I look for angles, but not really. And like really, there uh, that series is going off at plus one seventy for the Celtics, and I, I probably think that's a little kind to the Celtics. I mean, like. I've got him at like 33% to win. Like I, I give him, I give him one in three chance to win the series. But like stuff has to break their way. I mean, it's a well coach team. We know the Celtics can like win these games. But like, I mean, like who's dominating in the series for the Celtics? Yeah, that's a huge question. And also, just the idea that Boston. So actually, I'll phrase it in terms of Atlanta. It probably makes more sense. Atlanta, one of their weaknesses is that they're more of a deep team than a top-heavy team, though they, of course, have great top-end talent in Horford and Millsap. So the idea is that they lose a little bit they lose a little bit more when you go to the condensed playoff formats than some other teams like, let's say, Cleveland or, I mean, obviously Oklahoma City is probably the, the poster child for this this year, where, you know, there are the Clippers, where their, ba- their bench is just really bad, and so they're losing, you know, the guys they're shedding are, are worse. But Boston's another team like that, you know. But they're not. Boston has so much depth, and they have so many good guys that the playoff format doesn't really help them as much. But what's the best thing that Boston does? They force turnovers. Well, Boston is Boston is elite at covering wing play, like covering yeah. offense on the wing. They're sure. elite at covering point of the ball on the wing and covering ISO play, which is why they give Cleveland fits, which is why they were able to beat Golden State because they they they're built to stop that. They're, they they. Suck. I mean, they're horrible at stopping traditional go-to-the-basket offense. And if you've got two guys in Horford and Millsap that can go to the basket, you can feast. Somebody like Boogie can kill the Celtics. Just the league isn't built that way anymore, so it's smart for them for that. But this is the whole thing with like the Boston having all these guards. Getting Atlanta is probably the worst possible matchup they could have gotten in the first round. Yeah. Because like Atlanta's gonna get their points from the from like from like ten feet in. I mean, they they have shooting around it, but they're gonna they can go to the to the to the backboard. So it's like if they got San Antonio, it's the same thing. San Antonio can go to the backboard if they need to, back to the basket scorers. And like Boston doesn't really have a lot of things to throw at it. So this is this is kind of a terrible matchup to their strengths, right? It's styles make fights, and I I really don't like this style for the uh, for the Celtics. And Boston's right. counter, which they could do against some teams of just going small, doesn't do anything against the Hawks because the Hawks Millsap is going to be able to handle Jay Crowder. He's not so versatile that wow. he's going to give them fits. Right, and then they can go to Dennis Schroeder, and they've got like so. Yeah, no, the Hawks are not a a great matchup for the, and they don't have the coaching advantage that they would against some other teams. So I wasn't, as a Celtics fan, I was not excited to get the Hawks in the first round. I actually thought if we got the Heat or the Hornets or or somebody of that ilk, it would have been a better fit. Like so, I think the Hawks was the matchup. Again, this is a Celtics fan. The Hawks was the matchup I wanted to avoid in the first round. I did not want that matchup, or at least have home court on it. And like I, I again, I mean. 
could I see this going longer than five? Sure, but like I mean, you know, Stevens is a good team, but like I think it's an uphill climb for the Celtics. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a fair way of putting it. Okay. So, I mean, is there what are you looking forward to the most out of the East? Miami, Charlotte. Miami, Charlotte. And and, no, and, I, and honestly, if if Pacers, Raptors, let's say it's two two going into that game five in Toronto, that could be incredible. I mean, uh, the, because the Toronto fans get get into it, and it, and it could be really fun. And they have I mean, they have I, a lot of demons. I mean, I think people have talked about it with a lot of other franchises, but this Toronto franchise had they've had wonderful success. If you wanted to find it on making the playoffs, you know, having really good regular seasons, but they've struggled. And these fans are very aware of it, and they've lost to the teams that were worse than them before. So it wouldn't be the first time that's ever happened. And if the Pacers' talent is healthy, they have a shot. I'm not saying they're the favorites or anything like that, but I think that. It's so interesting that Toronto, of all teams, got that again. Yeah, I mean, I think that, to me, this is the... In a normal scenario, a normal team would be taking Toronto seriously to maybe challenge the Cavs. But I need them to win a playoff series. And I I can't, like, a team that's never won a playoff series, it's really hard for me to think they're going to make the finals. It would be such an uphill climb. Like, weird stuff would have to happen. And I I don't think so. I mean, I think it's interesting... And particularly since I, I think this particular like Raptors core has an expiration. Date. I don't think this Raptors team, the, the key core players, I don't think they shouldn't be back next year. I mean, like Toronto shouldn't pay DeMar, like uh, Demar Derozan. I mean, do, I mean, am I am I crazy in thinking that? Or, or you and I are two of the people on this island, and there aren't that many others. But I think but, that he's he's having a career year, and you this year he's been doing well. But you can't anticipate that this is going to be the new he, normal. The, the problem is, like, he's going to be a max player, like a super max player. And, like, I mean, this is nice if you, if you can guarantee this for five years. But even if you can guarantee this for five years, I'm not sure you pay him the super max. And, like, I mean, somebody's going to give him a stupid contract. And you're better off. He, I mean, like, this, we've seen this before. This is peak year. He's, you, you basically, you think about, like, you really, you should pay him for the last three years. And if you pay him for the last three years, he's not a super max player. Let somebody like the Lakers pay him a super max contract. I mean, I think that they're, Toronto's too smart to do this, right? And they really should. I mean, like, they can go out, they can spend that money, like, instead of paying Damari, just go out and, like, get Batoon, right? They're, they're guys you can go out and, like, get for, like, I mean, you probably make a price break on that. So I think, as I said, this is, for this core, I think this is the moment for this core to make a run. I mean, I don't know that they can get, like, you know, if, if Boston got a bad matchup, I think, like, you know, Indiana's probably the, like as a two seed, they're the worst seven seed you could have gotten. Nah, there weren't like there weren't a lot of good options. Like I mean, like like if you're choosing between Indiana, Charlotte, and Boston, if you're at Toronto, who do you take? In, if it was Indiana, Charlotte, and Boston, I would I, with their current health. Yeah, I would. I would probably. I think. I think Charlotte would be kind of a tough matchup for them as well. They do have perimeter defenders, but Indiana, if George Hill can play, they've they, you know George Hill and Paul George defending Lowry and DeRozan's just mean. Well, I mean, like, yeah, but if, like, if you were getting Boston, it's Avery Bradley, right? It's Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder. But they just don't have as much on the interior to exploit it, and, you know, it's interesting. And and I think that one of the things that will make the East so much more fun this year than last year is, one to eight, they're just better. They're, these teams, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe the top teams are superior, and they're they're better on, on paper, but these aren't prohibitive favorites, even in the first round, like we saw last year. No, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, uh, I think, what do you think about the second round? So, I'm still not sold on Toronto. So, like, well, let's assume let's assume Toronto makes it. Of course, if they don't, then this gets really wild in terms of everything else. I think Cleveland got really lucky 
that they, you know, Boston can do all right against them if they make it, but I think it's going to be Atlanta, and I think Cleveland is going to just roll through them pretty pretty cleanly. You know, tougher than last year, of course, but, you know, I, th- I think that that would be there. And then the other side, the you know, the 2-7, 3-6, I yeah, think Cle- that's, you know, that like that's Cleveland- as, as you said, that Styles makes fights. You know, we'll, we'll see what it turns out, what it turns into, but I could see that series being really, really variable. Yeah, the worst-case scenario for Cleveland is is Boston, not Atlanta. Because Boston's the worst matchup for them. Because Boston actually has elite defenders they can throw at Kyrie and and LeBron and go like, "Hey, Kevin Love, can you beat us?" And it becomes an ego thing. Like it's 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 an ego thing whether whether Cleveland's willing to go down that path and do what they should do to win that series. Flat did it, but I don't know necessarily Tyron Lue's going to be able to do it. So I mean, Atlanta's probably the better matchup. So I think that I mean Atlanta was good, will make them struggle, but like. Then it becomes an interesting thing who they're going to get in the uh, in the Eastern Conference Final. So who do you think? Gun to your head. Who do you think uh, is in the Eastern Conference Final? Miami. Miami and Cleveland. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think Cleveland has a pretty clean path. I mean, it's not it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but I think Cleveland has, has to is is going to get there. The other part, you can make a capable argument for all four teams, but I think Miami has a good chance. The way that it shook out, because I think I think they're going to beat. Charlotte. Let's, I think it'll be a long series, and then, you know, let's it, walk. Let's walk through this. Cleveland uh, and Miami. Who has the uh, Who has the experience advantage? Miami or Cleveland? I think that's pretty close to a neutral because basically on Cleveland, almost everybody has some experience, and of course LeBron has more than anybody. But Miami has a couple of guys that have a lot, so I would say maybe slight Miami, but not much. Yeah, I'll say slight. I, I agree with you. Slight Miami, not a full, but like slight Miami. Now, who has the coaching advantage? Cleveland or Miami? Miami. So that series I have as Cleveland at fifty six percent to win. I'd have it a little stronger than that, but not but not a whole ton stronger. I mean, and then winning seven. I mean, I could. I mean, like I could totally see that series just getting completely into LeBron's head, right? He's played badly in Miami basically every time he's played there since he left. Gonna get into his head. uh, The Riley thing, like sniping in the press, it would be. It would. I, I would think it would be an epic series. I'm like, imagine if the, the rumors start floating around that he's leaving Cleveland to go to Miami. Which those are out there. I've heard those. Like, that's not me. I've heard those out there. There are people who think that's going to happen. And so, like, it would. I think it would be on the level of those Boston Miami series for a few years back. Right? I think it would be really, really interesting. Now, is Bosch maybe playing? I haven't heard anything. I was actually talking to some people about this last night. What is most concerning to me, both on a, you know, as a basketball fan, but also on a personal level, you know, I've had very few interactions with Chris Bosch, but they've been overwhelmingly positive, is the idea that we've heard nothing. That's really concerning to me because usually with the way the sports is, you know, whether it's good news or bad news, you hear something. And when you hear nothing, I get a little bit concerned. And, like, I'm not saying it's any sort of analog to this, but I remember when people were saying stuff was going on with Flip. And then you didn't hear anything for a while. Like, that started to freak me out a little bit. And, of course, it was the worst-case scenario. I'm not going to say that is with Chris Bosch. But that's where I go when you hear nothing. Now, do you remember uh, – are you familiar with the WWE? Mm, Loosely. Yeah. So are you familiar with Daniel Bryan? Yes. It reminds me a bit of the Daniel Bryan thing, where Daniel Bryan kept saying that he wanted to come back, he wanted to do it. And, like, really, there just wasn't any way for him to bring him back because of the concussion, right? So I I think Bosch wants to play – my interpretation is he wants to go, but he's not going to get medical clearance, and really it is a life or limb issue. It's the same thing with Brian. It's like, dude, if you have a bad concussion, it could kill you, right? So it's like it's the same thing. It's the blood clot. Like you could literally die. It's so I think that may be what's at play, and I think that may be kind of what's going there. And I, 
I like I, I've heard overwhelmingly he's a nice guy. Uh, he's a cool dude. Uh, I mean, I can understand the drive to want to do something, but like you know, I don't know necessarily like it's worth his life. Or oh, his agreed. Life. And, then, and I think that that's what may be a play for that. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I have a question for you actually. Sure. I've been talking about this with a lot of different people over the last couple of weeks. If you had to choose, and you can use whatever criteria you want, personal enjoyment, basketball intrigue, whatever, would you rather see Warriors Thunder or Warriors Spurs in the Western Conference Finals? Uh, no, I would rather see Warriors Spurs because we don't, like, when you have two historic teams, and we kind of jumped the gun a little bit, like, so, like, can we can we get back to that one? Like, okay, so... Sure. We think so. Cleveland, Miami, got like I would love to see a series. Price, I would probably have money on Miami in that series. I think Cleveland wins, but it's 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 going to be a harrowing experience for them. So like, I think you that's know, fair. I, yeah, because I think like you know you're you're going to need Miami's going to throw everything they can. They're going to make sure that like it's not LeBron beating them, right? So it's going to have to be Kyrie, or it's actually going to have to be Kevin Love because Kyrie, like Miami's really good. At like uh, point guard defense, they're like fantastic at point guard defense. So it's like it's the big. It's gonna have to be really love going at Whiteside. It's gonna be fascinating. Yeah. And like, are they gonna actually unleash Whiteside? Which is like, uh, I would I would be fascinated by that series. And I could I could totally see Miami winning it. And I'm really kind of I'm really kind of hoping that's what happens, right? Because that that's probably of the matchups that would be them. I mean, other than getting the Celtics in the in the Eastern Conference Finals, which, you know, I'm not very hopeful for, I would love to see the Heat and the, and the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yep, that's, let's the, talk that's, about the, the, that's the East series I want to see the most any round. Let's talk about the West. So, in a vacuum, imagine the Golden State Warriors don't exist, right? right? Golden State Warriors do not exist. I mean, like, we think, like, if that's the case, we think San Antonio's, like, like a sure thing to win the Finals, right? To, to win the title. They would have very good odds. Uh, you know, sure thing is a little bit shaky just because they're, I don't, I don't totally trust their offense, but their defense is ridiculous and they have so much talent and they're well coached. So yeah, they would, they would be prohibitive favorites. OKC is not, uh, is not been good against good teams, right? Their differential for like versus bad teams versus good teams is really significant. So I mean, I don't, I mean, uh, I should I put this? Um, I mean, again, I I don't know. I mean, I don't see a scenario where I see OKC beating San Antonio in a like in a seven game series. Particularly since like like Leonard basically kind of beats the crap out of Durant. So really, it 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 all has to be Westbrook. And I think like with LMA, I think that it just San Antonio just has way too much. And well, like, and Tim Duncan has a place in that series that he doesn't against the Warriors. Right, and, and the other thing is, like, you know, they, they, they're they just guys on the Thunder that really should not be on the court against San Antonio the Warriors. That's the biggest problem. And this is, again, these are a good team. The problem is, like, you know, and, and, and good to, gearing towards great with those players. The problem is, like, San Antonio and Golden State are a historically great team. And it's really hard for you to, like, it, it's just, just, like, kind of a different speed and a different gear. And, again, both those teams actually have enough um kind of, as I said, like, you know, like, both these teams, like Golden State in San Antonio can just basically go like and just neutralize the primary weapons for the, the Thunder. You know, between with Draymond and Kawhi, they can just go like and Danny Green actually Danny Green and Clay, Andre Gudala, they can just say like, we're going to screw you on the wing and we're gonna screw your ISO play. What are you gonna do? Right? So like I, what's the what's the answer? Throw Cantor out there? You can't throw Cantor out there against Golden State and San Antonio, right? Yeah, I and think I think that's a big thing. 
But also, wherever you put Durant, you can put Kawhi on him. And the Spurs are so much better depth-wise that they're, as you were kind of talking about, there's no way that Oklahoma City can distribute their talent. Like, this gets into this idea that I talked about when when Indy was dancing around the idea of playing Paul George at the four. And my concept with that, which proved to be right, which not that I'm, oh, some sort of genius, is that when you play a guy like that, let's say nominally at the four, really what you're doing is you're playing the guy who's playing next to him at the four because no competent team, if they have a good defensive small forward, is ever going to say, oh, well, you know, C.J. Miles is the third tallest guy, so we're going to put, you know, we're going to put our Kawhi Leonard on C.J. Miles instead of on Paul George. The problem for Oklahoma City is whatever whatever move they want to do in that direction because their wing depth in particular isn't that good, San Antonio's going to say, cool, we got you. And there's no way that they can do that, and they're always going to be sitting there with Kawhi Leonard. And I think that the Spurs actually, in some ways, match up better with Oklahoma City because they are the best-suited team in, the rec- in recent history to take away what Oklahoma City wants to do because, you know, they want to play ISO. And Kevin Durant, ISO, he's the best isolation basketball player in, in the world right now. But Kawhi Leonard is could have been built in a lab to stop Kevin Durant isolation. If you look, if you look at, like, the elite small forwards versus Kawhi Leonard, you can look this up in basketball reference and you look at him. Like, like, uh, like, if you play fantasy sports, you do not start elite small forwards against uh, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard eats them up. Like, his, his, he just, he really just does bad things to them. Like, Paul George was broken for a month after the last time he played San, he played San Antonio. Like, his, his jump shot just, he, like, Kawhi just destroyed his jump shot. He just took him out of his game. And, and really, that's kind of the problem. Like, so he's gonna, like, so here's the thing. San Antonio, he's gonna, they're gonna take, they're gonna take Duran out of the game, right? Kawhi's gonna take him out. Right. And then they, they have elite defender. They can cover everybody else. So really it's down on Russ. And I, I mean, the, the other problem is like, okay, so if you're looking for a plan B, you put Canner on, then just LMA and Tim Duncan and Boris, what are you going to do with these guys? Right. Then you, like, then you play Lamarcus at center and just put Ennis Canner in space. And you, you, he's, he's not going to beat you on the block. You know, you can help off of, you can help onto him and things like that. He's not, I don't think that, that OKC has a counter that the Spurs can answer. I don't think, they, I don't think it exists. Right. And, and like, I mean, like, we're having, like, even when you throw the bench unit out there, so Canner's out there. Okay. So I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw Bobon out there for like, it's just kind of Jesus Christ. Or David like, West. I mean, David West brings <laughs> a different, but David West brings a different element, but you know, Canner's not going to bruise him. What are you doing with? What is he doing with Boris Diaw? I mean, like, ah, oh God, like the Spurs just have too many. Like the Spurs just have too many guys for me to think that like the Thunder can just Christ. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's 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 not. And it's, I th- and I think that's good for the Warriors in a way because I think the Warriors, you know, the Spurs are a wonderful team and and they're they're going to do if that series happens they'll do well. But there is something undeniably interesting about. With with the Warriors, who do not have that perimeter guy like Kawhi, because there's only one Kawhi Leonard, where the Thunder, in a way, when those guys get going against the Warriors, which will, they will do differently than against the Spurs, you know, they are, they do have this kind of supernova high ceiling still, despite their relative lack of talent compared to these other two teams, that would make that series really compelling. I just don't think we're going to see it. Yeah, I mean, like, it comes down to this. Like, so what is their, like, have this, have the Thunder actually beaten? I don't think the Thunder have actually beaten them this year. I think the Thunder gave them the best punch and couldn't get it done, right? So I, I, I have a hard time thinking, like, either one, I mean, I'm not, from basketball perspective, I'm not interested in seeing the Thunder get mauled by the Warriors. 
I am for a couple. I am for a couple reasons, but I I agree. I agree with you that, and also I feel like we would be cheated if we didn't see Warrior Spurs this year, given how historic those teams two teams were. I think that's what we want. I think that's what we're going to get, barring something like just utters. Like again, like whereas I mean the Warriors resting people in the fourth quarter, but like the Spurs were taking games off. Right, I, I, like the Spurs, you didn't know like they they weren't playing guys half the season. They were playing super short rotations. Like, and the Spurs won what sixty? Is it sixty six games that they won? Jesus Christ! I mean, I think, I think it was sixty six. The Spurs did like put up. They they had a ten point uh, point margin. They won sixty seven games, and they took whole games off. Like they just said, hey, just no, don't worry, just just you're not playing today. Just just go, just go off, and and really kind of you know they're an insanely good team. And I and again I so. There was a lot of uh, so after the Warriors beat the Spurs the last two games they played, it was like, oh no, the Warriors are a bad matchup for the Spurs. They can't beat them. Now, you and I have talked about this before. Do you think the Warriors got the Spurs a game in those two games? No, but I don't think that the offensively, defensively, I think the Spurs have another couple of years. But offensively, I think the Warriors. I mean, I think the Warriors will do a good job stopping San Antonio's offense. Even if they add wrinkles, I just don't think they have the horses to do it. But that doesn't. At, but I that would, doesn't mean that the Spurs can't win the series. They can win. I, they can win a mucked up series. I think that the you said it. I think what we can't. I think basically they got the A game for a half. The first half of that second game, basically San Antonio. San Antonio threw a little bit of the kitchen sink at them. Now they didn't have Dia, which I think Dia was a key player in this. But they threw the kitchen sink, and it was it was close. And I think that's. That's what you said. Like, again, I think Pop is kind of, we know this. Pop doesn't, I don't think Pop cared about winning those two games. He wanted to put off some, put off some stuff. Now, Lamarcus got his, his finger bent a little bit and he's key in that series. And I think Diao's kind of key as well. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's going to be a really close series. I think these teams are like, I mean, I have these two teams as dead even. I think it really does come down to the home court, which the Warriors got. But I can really see this going either way. I mean, like, and I'm gonna, okay, so let's, let's walk through this Golden State San Antonio series. We just say what we want, right? So Golden State San Antonio, who has, I think it's dead even on swagger. And I think, do we think it's dead even on coaching? I'd say it's close enough. I, I don't think I would feel comfortable giving, giving Spurs any sort of notable edge. And I think, I think Kerr did a better job last season making in, in series adjustments than Popovich has in recent years. But That's I wouldn't, important. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily give them an advantage. Yeah, I, I, just, I just, I just, I just ran it and it's bad out, it's bad out Spurs in six. Interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, it's close. I mean, it says home team win percent. This is the most likely outcome. Spurs in six. But it actually, it actually has the Warriors winning the series 50.6% of the time. It's just saying that the most likely outcome is outcome is Spurs in six. Basically, right? because the Warriors, if the Warriors won, they would win in five, six, or seven. But if the Spurs right. win, they'll win in six. Yeah, it's saying that the most likely outcome is Spurs winning in six. Like just, the I mode, think, it's the mode of the outcomes. You know, you know what the series is, right? This is the my this is the Heat uh, Spurs uh, in twenty twelve in uh, Spurs the Ray in, Allen one that was the, the Ray, Ray Allen. It's twenty twelve, right? Twenty twelve. That was twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. So that it's that series, which is like the most likely outcome. Is Spurs and six, and that series the most likely outcome was Spurs and six, and the Heat just barely like survived to win it in seven. So like basically they the the Heat like I think it's the same thing. The the Warriors are slightly favored, but like if probably the most likely outcome is in six, it's a dead even. I think anything could happen. I think it's going to be. It has a chance. I, I think the 2013 Finals is the best series I've ever seen, and this has the chance to be that close. It does. One one thing I think I think I'll leave you on is we're gonna this we're recording this on Thursday. It'll be released on Friday. 
Are there any series that you think after just game one that people will be thinking about, maybe not us, but people will be thinking about fundamentally differently than they are right now? Oh, that's an interesting question. I think that... I'll tell you that I think Boston-Atlanta, if Atlanta wins that game by 10-plus, I think people will start to go, oh, this is, you know, they'll start to say the stuff like, Millsap is a really bad, Millsap's a really bad cover for Boston. Oh, they're going to have so much trouble with Al Horford, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think Boston might be I think Atlanta might be overrated coming out of that series. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think I think I think yeah, I agree with that. But like I'm saying like and whoever wins that Charlotte, I mean, I people people are already on Miami. So I think that like the 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 team that could get wrongly rated based on like being good in that first round is Atlanta. What about Clippers? Do you think the Clippers have a sh- I think the Clippers have a better shot at the Warriors than like the Thunder in my opinion. I I disagree with that pretty strongly. I think okay. that I think that the 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 Clippers don't have a ton of things that they can that they can really pull out that the Warriors can't stop. And a, a, the biggest part of that is also that their perimeter defense is basically Chris Paul and a bunch of guys who aren't that good. And the yeah. the Clippers are great. They're you know they have and also I think Doc is overrated as a postseason coach. He'll he's not terrible. You know, I, there's a difference between being overrated and being bad. I definitely don't think he's bad. I just think he's overrated. But I think that the Clippers, they just don't have that. But it gets into this weird thing with them, because, of course, I I cover the Warriors, so I've I've been at a lot of these games, and I've, of course, watched all of them. The Clippers regularly give the Warriors a really good game, but they almost always lose. And so how you feel about that is is kind of a challenge, you know? So, like, if a team always plays somebody well, if the games are almost always close, you know, the Clippers could have won, I think, two or maybe even three of the times they played this year. But they didn't, so they didn't. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to me is how good is, and I think it's the same thing that happened to the, with the Spurs last year. It's like, so if if Blake Griffin is on, who's covering Blake Griffin on the Warriors? Draymond. There's and no one else. Doing, there's no one else they have to put Draymond on. Yeah, is it, it, that's that's problematic. So I mean, like the the the, the Clippers puncher's chance is the same thing as San Antonio's did last year. Their puncher, the puncher's chance is 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 Chris Paul get, like basically kind of neutralizing Curry, which in turn kind of neutralizes Clay a little bit. And then, like, having Blake kind of, you know, be, like, Super Blake. And he, we've seen Blake be, like, amazing in the playoffs before, which is which kind of interesting. Now, I don't think it's a likely odds, but I, I do think I like the Clippers' odds against the Warriors better than the Warriors for the, for those reasons. And I also better think, Better like, than the DeAndre, Thunder, like, you mean? Yeah, but the other thing is, like, DeAndre is a, kind of a bad matchup for them. It's like, so who are you throwing at DeAndre? It's like the size, the, the skill size is, 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 is problematic. Yeah, but their bench like, is big, so bad. Like the, I mean, the Warriors bench is shaky, but the Clippers bench is terrible. It, that's a, that is a fair, fair, fair assessment. That's and not... Doc, and Doc doesn't use them well. I mean, so the last question I ever asked Mark Jackson when he was still the coach of the Warriors, which was during that Clippers series, was that was a version it asked inartfully, uh, basically why hadn't Mark Jackson adjusted to the fact that Doc Rivers never changes his rotations? And Mark Jackson basically said, "Oh, we're going to do our thing." And I guarantee you that Steve Kerr will not do that. If Doc keeps his rotations rigid, they will. The Warriors yeah. will exploit everything out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm also kind of I'm kind of thinking that maybe that the, the the Clippers for this to work, the Clippers would have to just go through like a caveman, like 40 minute rotation for everybody, which they kind of did in that Spurs. I'm kind of going by what they did in the Spurs series last year. Well, and this is their this might be their last rotation. gasp too. You know, we talked about it with Oklahoma City. Uh, while their players are all under contract. 
you know, the, there is a pos- if they, you know, of course, if they lost to the Blazers, I think that opens the door for all this kind of stuff. But let's say they there, got there, swept yeah. by the Warriors. I think that opens the door for them to consider some crazy stuff as well. There's noise out there about, uh, about like, Chris Paul or Blake Griffin move, getting moved or moving. I, I do agree with you that that's out there. I actually think that Clippers Warriors could be a fun, just for the fact, like, I mean, like, you know, I mean, just for watching the Clippers make, like, you know, the, the thing is, the Clippers are, like, going to blow games they should win, right? Kind of like the last year's, like, they're going to blow games that you're like, how in the world did they blow this game, right? They, they did that against the Rockets, and and I think that's that's interesting. If, we, if the Clippers and the Thunder were playing a series, I'd probably pick the Clippers, right? I think, I, I, I think that team's more talented than the Thunder. They both have the problem with, like, once you get into their bench, it's just, like, it's it's a wasteland, which is a problem against the Warriors and the Spurs. They're going to exploit that. So yeah. again, I think what we want is Spurs, Spurs Warriors. Now, do we think that okay, Spurs Warriors, whoever survives, is winning the title? Yes, absolutely. Like, what odds would you give, like, say, Cleveland to win the title? Right the now, yeah. or or oh, if they make the finals, yeah, twenty to twenty five percent, maybe. Assuming somebody gets hurt. I think here's the thing. Oh no! Well, I mean, assuming somebody gets hurt is weird, but I don't think I don't think either one of the Spurs or Warriors is good enough to survive to to make it to the finals with one of their guys being hurt. Yeah, no, I I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that's 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 kind of the key. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like t- teams that are as good as the Spurs and the Warriors typically win the title, except when they face each other. That's kind of what history tells us. I don't think this Cleveland team is as good as last year, so there isn't anybody that he's coming out. So again, I think it's going to come down to the, the Western Conference Final, and I would feel cheated if we didn't get Spurs Warriors like in their prime. We've got them like we've got them like ships passing in the night. So we've got them when the Warriors weren't quite as good, but we haven't gotten the Kerr Warriors against like the Kawhi Pop Spurs. We haven't gotten that in a playoff series, and I think it's imp- I think we probably should before Tim Duncan retires. Now, I don't think the Spurs are going away even when Tim Duncan is, is retires. And, and these guys, because like they, they, they've done a really good job at reloading, but I would really like to see it before the big three are, are, are no more, you know? I think we're, we're, we're kind of, I mean, we're, we gotta be close. I mean, like. Yeah, I, think fe- I, I feel uh, that way, but I also feel the same way about a Warriors Thunder series before they break up, you know, that we've never seen that at all. You know, we, that's, what? it's, uh, I would be, I think it would be a shame if we never saw that either. Yeah, I mean, I, I still hold to the fact that I think, I think we're gonna get Kevin Durant coming out of the East, right? So I think that's, that's the future. Uh, but that that's just me being. Uh, uh, yeah, Kevin like, Durant versus the Warriors could happen in another form on a similarly good team. That's certainly right. a possibility. Right, particularly now that like some of the uh, decks have been cleared in uh, in our in the, in the in the nation's capital. We'll see. I mean, I think as I said, I think there's some interesting things in play in this off season. But I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I don't think we're gonna get like a, a massive first round, but there are fun. There's some fun series. The really interesting thing is, I think the fun series we're gonna have to search on for on NBA TV. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the the high profile ones might not be as interesting, but what I feel is that this first round is going to set up a truly awesome second round in a lot of different ways. Agree, we both agree on that. Okay. Well, so, think, well uh, anything else? No, I think is there anything? Okay, so is there one more thing you're looking forward to in the playoffs? What could be fun this year is well. So what I'm looking at, and we talked about this a little bit. I actually mentioned it with the Cleveland. I mean, sorry, with the, with the Miami Charlotte series, is the off season is going to be so open and so crazy. I've written a lot about this for the Sporting News, and we'll write a lot more about this before it happens. That I think it's going to start permeating the playoffs, not in the way of you know affecting the way that people think about the games, but realizing you know you're watching Nikola Batum or or Hassan Whiteside or Kevin Durant, and realizing oh god, all these guys are free agents, and not only that, but some of the teams that do well will you know let's say Indiana 
either whether they win the series or not, let's say they push that late, people are going to realize, oh God, they have max space. You know, like teams like that, like Boston, are going to are going to be able to do that. And so you're the the possibility, which is what I was kind of getting at when I wrote the KD to the Warriors piece, is that what makes this year so crazy is that the best and in some ways more importantly the near best can get a whole lot better really soon there's a theory and i believe it's called stokes theorem and i have to look it up i'm probably getting this wrong which says that assets tend to move particularly when there's there's no restriction on freedom of movement they're going to move to where they have most value to the enterprise or to the economy and what that means in general terms is like free agents are going to move to the good teams and or, or where they are the large markets so you're going to see with with like everybody has money. Like money is not no issue. Like the best players are going to go to the best teams, and this is going to start looking like the '80s. So it's going to become like there's going to be like a segregation between great teams and like not so great teams, and people will like cry and complain about this. But here's the thing: there's a lot of of data that kind of shows that like that accumulation at the top, the really great teams is really really good for the bottom line and the ratings of the league. Right, so this is conven- the league kind of gets in the way of that, but it's actually this is really good. It happens in the Premier League in Europe. It happens in football sometimes. Like, well, football's parody, but like, it, like having these super teams playing each other it, is really good. So there's a lot of talent that's like guys you mentioned, guys like Platoon that are going to move. Like things like Aldridge are going to happen more often. Yeah, right? I think they're going to happen because, a lot because the money the, the money is no object. So guys are going to go either home or they're going to go to to places they like or good business places. And like if you have to choose between working for I mean Portland's a nice place to work but you know I think Lamarcus we could I don't think there's an argument that Lamarcus made the right choice. Yeah. Right? But I think Batum might go back which would be really fun. Portland? Yeah. Ah jeez. I mean does he go to Portland? Where is he from though? He's from France. He can't go back to France. <laughs> well he could but I don't think he will. Uh, Batum is interesting. Like, couldn't you see Batum winding up on Golden State? The challenge there is that the way that the Warriors would have to clear the decks for an elite player is so extreme that I don't think they'd do it for anybody less than Durant. I even so, if, like, if Al Horford said yes, I don't think they would do those the moves they would have to do to clear yeah, the space. Yeah, but you know that Batum, Batum would be a really good fit for that. Court. Oh, for sure, he'd be fantastic. Because, like, but if, but you if, can't if give you up clear, if if you need a defensive stopper. Like, you need a defensive stopper on the wing who can shoot threes. He's like tailor made for. The, if you can't get Kevin Durant, like the Batum is tailor made for the Warriors. And then the like, other, make- yeah, the other possibility that is, it's it's kind of outside the realm, but it is worth mentioning is the idea of theoretically, if Harrison Barnes wanted to go, I wrote about this, I wrote about this a couple weeks ago. If Harrison Barnes wanted to go to a place like Charlotte, then you could make something like that happen. But the problem for the Warriors is because then you could do a kind of a double sign and trade. But the challenge for that is, if you're the Warriors, is you have to get a meeting with Nikola Batum when you don't have cap space. And a lot of guys just aren't comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that, but I said, there's a lot of things that are in play. Yeah, sure. Like, like right Miami, now, I don't think people are talking about it. Like, Miami's in play with a lot of these guys. Just Boston, well, you know, these, there Miami, are some crazy situations. This is why, I don't get why people don't understand this. Miami's always in play. Miami is... Durant might go like, there. Here's the thing, like, and I and I said this, that people either go like they're they're gonna it's, they either stay, they go home, they go to be with their buddies, or they go to Miami. That's what they do in the modern NBA. Like, if if, if it's none of the above, Miami is always in play. Yeah. Right. I I agree so, with that. To shadow GM, it's Riley. <laughs> Riley gets. I mean, I would not put it past them to get that. What do you think of that rumor? And and I think we close on this. What do you think of that rumor that like LeBron wants to play with like Paul, like the the banana boat rumor? 
He wants to play with Chris Paul and Wade and 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 and, and Carmelo once before they retire. I th- I think there's a lot of credence to it, and I think what's crazy is that some have talked about the idea of it happening somewhere else, and and I think that if they were amenable to it, the most logical place for it to happen would actually be in Cleveland because Cleveland could. They have they're such a good team right now that they could actually trade away guys in in deals that would be competent. So like let's say they need to get Chris Paul. Okay, you can trade Kyrie Irving for him. The Clippers would wouldn't do it, that trade. You know you wouldn't can. It be, you, wouldn't it be New York though? It could be New York as well. Like it could be New York. It could be. But the the challenge with that is unless they're crazy enough to to move Porzingis or something. I don't think that I, I think that it'd be a challenge, but it is possible. Yeah, it's the, the banana boat team. And actually, here's the thing: actually, if they could actually pull that off, I think it would be more like Brooklyn Nets at this point, because I don't know how long LeBron has left as an elite basketball player. Yeah. This year might have been like last gasp, and they're they're like there are people coming. Like you know, we've already got Curry, and and and, and Downs is coming, and he looks like he's going to be the next dominant force. Now I don't know if he's going to be on a good team, but he the, the, the next guys are already kind of here. You know? Yeah. So why is he? Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. But I, I think that there is that possibility again that goes with the idea of an open summer. And if Cleveland, you know, if they do anything that's really different, and and not only Cleveland, you know, I think it would take. Well, Melo's already his season's done. But if you know, if Chris Paul wants to move on that, because whatever it's going to take with those guys is kind of an understanding that they all want to do it. You know, you need it's kind of like a submarine. You need to turn all those keys at the same time. But I certainly it's think a, it's a possibility. It's, it's, it's not a submarine. It's a banana boat. Yeah, it's a banana. It's a banana boat submarine. But, <laughs> but thank you so much for taking the time. Always a pleasure, man. Yeah, it was fun, man. Like, uh, uh, let's do this again a little later in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Thanks again to Arturo Galetti for taking the time to come on. You can read him on basketball numbers, and you can also follow him on Twitter at Arturo Galetti. A R T U R O G A L L E T T I. Love doing these kind of previews. We're going to hope to do one of these for each round of the playoffs. I'd like to do it with a different guest just to change up the tone and, you know, see what we learned and everything like that. So we'll see how that actually works. And as a weekly podcast, the way that the playoffs work, it, it will not be, you know, that, that will not be the entirety of what we do on Real Jam Radio. I want to do some things focused on the eliminated, the teams that are out that I think are most interesting. I already talked to some potential guests about that. And it's going to be a, a really fun run. Arturo and I talked a, 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 kind of at length about this, about how excited we are about the playoffs. And there are plenty of legitimate reasons for that. So we will have more than enough material there as well. And, as, of course, those of you who read my work know I'm very focused on the offseason as well. I think that the, this is going to be one of the most impactful ones in league history, despite not having that great a free agent class. I mean, it, it's not terrible, of course. Kevin Durant's wonderful and Horford and Mike Conley and a lot, a lot of talented guys. But... It is going to be different in that way. And so you can read my work, Real GM, Sporting News, love doing it. And we'll have an announcement with my Warriors work, actually, that's going to be at a new location. But that's not ready to be announced publicly yet. But I'm very, very excited about that. So you can follow me on Twitter and also respond to anything on the podcast. Good, positive, negative, whatever you want to do. That will be at Danny LaRue, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. You can also hit me up on Facebook, Danny LaRue NBA, which is a compilation of all of the stuff that I do, pieces, podcasts, recommendations, all that kind of fun stuff. have a mailing list. The link will be both there in my Twitter bio. And also you can email me, NBA at gmail.com. My standard line, and I, it's standard because it's the truth, is I read everything that comes and I respond to as much as I can. And it's a very hectic time for me. That's not a surprise. It's not an excuse. It's not a surprise. 
So I, I will read it if you, if you send something, whether it be about the podcast or really whatever, and I will respond when I can, but I can't promise that will be rapid because I get a lot of stuff. And of course I have substantial obligations, both in podcast form with this and dunked on and everything else that I do, which is wonderful. And I'm thankful every day that I get to do it. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like, Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. Navy for revolutionary prices on summer's most stylish shorts. Tomorrow only, they're all 50% off for the whole family. All your favorite shorts, denim, linen, all of them. All shorts are 50% off tomorrow only. Run to Old Navy. Valid 630 excludes active.